Before I get started, for those of you that are new here, I, I, was, uh, I was part of the church a while ago, about six, seven months ago. My name is John, John Warehouse. And um, no, seriously, I hear there's a lot of younger people, a lot of younger couples here. And um, it, what had happened was, full disclosure, I was gone for a while. I'm, I'm actually uh, Pastor Mark and Terry's youngest son. And um, they found me. You know. And so, anyways, such a privilege to be here. You know, one of the one of one of the desires in my heart as ever been, I've been to church. I told this story before for those of you that uh, have never heard me preach before. I, I, I pastored a church in there. I, I had I had to do a wedding and um, in 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 the church I was before, and there was pews, old style pews, and and uh, some some little little boy was playing in the pews, and I was enjoying watching him play, and I was a re- rehearsal for a wedding. And um, he was jumping over one pew into the next, and he was kind of jumping. It wasn't hurting anything, but he was having a great time. And his grandmother came up. And she said, don't you do that in church. She said, here's the pastor. He'll tell you don't do that. Aww. Well, she didn't know me. And I said, oh, I said, on the contrary, I'll jump with him. And I said to her, I said, don't, don't ever make this place uncomfortable for him. Let him, if he breaks it, We'll buy another one. It's not like it's going to break anything major. It's too small. Let them enjoy church. Let them enjoy the idea of coming here and learning about God. And so we would love to make this an atmosphere. I know that, that Pastor Mark is, you guys are so wonderfully fortunate for he and Terry to be a part of this church and to be the pastor and his wife. And their desire is that, that we become a family we become a, a group of people that just love on one another. You are blessed beyond your wildest dreams to have Pastor Mark. And I am, I am so honored to be able to call him my, one of my best friends in this world. And I love him with all my heart. And I, I miss you all so much. But um, I'm pretty much enjoying, Kay and I are enjoying where we're at. I don't think I've ever, I've got to be careful. She's in here, so I want to say everything correctly. <laughs> But I don't know that I've ever seen her more happy. Is that true, honey? It is true. <laughs> this is going to be a hard service. Um, I've never really seen her more happy than w- w- the way we've been there in Oregon, myself included. We, uh, her sister lives about 18 miles from us in a town called Bend, Oregon. We live in Sisters. Sisters is a town of 2,300 people. 2,300 people. Small. There's not one stoplight in town. Not one. There isn't. There's no stoplights in town. There's no streetlights in town. In the evening time, they fold it up and they call it light pollution. They don't want light pollution because we get to see the stars and the moon and, and, and all of that at night. It's so beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. We get snow because we're in the foothills of the Three Sister Mountains. We're at about a level of about 3,500, 3,300, 500 feet. And we get snow. Um, it gets down to where some mornings it's uh, in the teens, um, normally 20-something and, and then 40s. And right now I looked at my, uh, my app that tells us the temperature there, and it's 72 uh, right now, okay? So it's warm there. And, um, but it, 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 it is a, a wonderful, refreshing uh, coolness because uh, about 320 days a year, the, the people that live there have told us that we get sun. Our, temp, our, our climate is similar to this, except we get snow. And we are in what is called the high desert. 
And so we're not like uh, it would be in Eugene or Portland where they get a lot of rain and, and they get uh, a lot of greenery. Our, our uh, terrain is more brown and golden uh, because we're in a high desert. And it's, um, it's beautiful. I'll tell you, the mo- one of the most beautiful sights I've seen up there except apart from my wife is the other day I was taking out the, the, the trash and it was snowing and the sun was out. The snow was falling in the sun of the day. And I ran and got Kay, and I said, you won't believe what, I'm, what I see. It, it is snowing, and it looked like diamonds. Honestly, it looked like diamonds falling from the sky. And they tell us that that is a common uh, um, occurrence there. They, in fact, they called it diamond dust that falls when the, the sun is out and it snows. It's just spectacularly beautiful. And so we're very content there. We love it. And, um, and what makes us probably most content of everything up there is to hear how you guys are flourishing as a body of believers. I mean, look around. The place is full. You're doing a great job, Mark. Mark, I love you. And I thank God for you. You are uh, an answer to prayer in my life. So we're there up in um, Oregon, and we really like it. But it's nice to come home. I've missed you all more than I can put into words. I missed you so much. I want to take a look with you at just a, 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 a little brief path passage out of the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, if you have your Bibles, please turn. If you go to the middle of the Bible, the Old Testament, you'll see the book of Psalms, right? And when you turn to the left, you go back towards the start of the Bible, you're going to go past the book of uh, Job, I think. Uh, isn't that right out? Yeah, Job, and then you'll you'll hit uh, Esther, I think it is. Is that close? Is that my doing okay so far? Yeah, Esther, and then Nehemiah. So that's kind of the way to find it. If you start from the beginning, you're on your own. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to talk to you about this man. Now what I want to talk to you about this morning is important. What is important about it is I don't want you to look into the life of Nehemiah as as much as I want you to look into your own life and compare what has Nehemiah done that you maybe have not done or maybe you're in the process of doing. Now, Nehemiah has, is about to do a grandiose thing in the, in the state, in the city, in, in the town of Jerusalem. He's about to go and rebuild it. Jerusalem is falling apart. Its gates are down. They've been burnt The wall is broken down and the enemies of God are mocking God. His brother is going to tell him, as you're going to read with me in a moment, there is a disgrace or a disgust and there is a reproach upon the town of Jerusalem. Now, when you read that, I don't want you to look at Jerusalem because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob promised that Jerusalem would flourish. And so the people are having a reproach or disgusted against the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they have allowed, the people in Jerusalem have allowed Jerusalem to be looked down upon by the enemies of God. Now, today, we live in a culture that people mock us for coming to church. You, you, you know that, don't you? There's people out there think you're crazy for coming here this morning. 
You mean you're going to sit in a you're going to sit in a place, you're going to listen to a guy preach about some god that you've never seen, you don't know a hill of beads about, they think, and yet you are worshiping this god and they mock our god. Never never consider that they're mocking you. Oh, they will mock you, but the real person they're mocking is yours and my god. And they're trying to put a reproach upon him to make themselves look right. And so Nehemiah has a very important task before him. Here's where Nehemiah is. Let's, let's take a look in Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's read the first four, four verses. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Here it goes. Now... It happened in the month of Cheslev, that is about November, December. In the 20th year, while Nehemiah, I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came. Nehemiah says in verse 2, I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity, and he asked them about, did you know, Jerusalem. What's going on there? They said to me, verse 3, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates are burned with fire. Now, he says, Nehemiah, when it came about and I heard these words, I sat down and wept. And I mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I want to jump ahead to verse 11, just so that you get a a sense of who this Nehemiah is. He says in verse 11, talking about God, O Lord, I beseech thee, may your ear be attentive to my prayer, the prayer of your servant, and the prayer of the servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today. Grant him compassion before this man. This man is the king, Artaxerxes, in Susa. He's going to ask the king if he can leave Susa and go to Jerusalem and rebuild the very essence of who God is in that community. And Nehemiah doesn't forget who he is. Look. Look at the end of verse 11 in chapter 1. Now I was the cupbearer to the king. He mentions that so that you and I will know he's just a common guy. Nothing's fancy, nothing out of the ordinary of Nehemiah. You need to know there were three men who made an important impact upon the building of the wall of Jerusalem and the gates. There is Zerubbabel who was the prince. He represented the political side of it all, you'd say. There was Ezra who is the priest And he represented the spiritual side. And then Nehemiah introduces himself to us in verse 11 as the cupbearer to the king. He represented the common man. Perhaps like most of us here. Most of us here are just common folks. What I like most, and I'm going to pray in a minute, what I like most about what we are now in Sisters is I have no responsibilities in that church whatsoever. I am one of the common people. A couple of weeks ago, one of the dearest friends, my wife and I made a 
friends with quite a few couples. Um, we made a, a special friendship with a, a couple named Lauren and uh, Lawrence and, and Robin Green. Robin is um, is a humble and godly man as I've ever met. And, and what what Robin what, what what Lawrence does in, in that church is he breaks down the, the the chairs at the end of the service because we meet in a high school, and we meet this this room. There's 300 people, and he breaks down all the chairs. Well, now I'm joining him. That's my job. I, I get to put the chairs on these rollers, and I get to roll them in the room, and I don't have to worry about when we're going to close the doors, who's there, what's there happening. I'm just a common Joe. Now. Because of Google, the pastor uh, found out who I am. <laughs> he, uh, he asked me, this was quite a while ago, he looked it up and he said, uh, Hey, I see Pastor Church, you didn't even say anything. What's up, brother? How have you been? Give me a hug, please. I love you. Yeah, I should have gotten your wife. What are you doing with you? Hi, sweetheart. Love you. It's good to see you guys. He, he asked me out for coffee. I said, sure, I'd love to. And um, we got to be friends. He's magnificent. He's a younger guy. He's really a magnificent preacher. He can really preach the Word of God. Loves sitting under his teaching. And so we were walking the streets. We went and had some coffee, and we were walking through the, through the streets of, of sisters. And he, he asked me he'd like to have me be his mentor. He said, I, heard, I see where you pastored a couple of churches. had success. And then you were a mediocre ball player. <laughs> Couldn't lie my way out of that. Yeah. Actually, mediocre is better than I deserve. But uh, <laughs> And he said, you know, he said, I'd like for you to be like a father to me. And I said, wow, Ryan. I said, I count that a privilege. I will do that. I'll be your friend. And um, I enjoy being the common man in that church. My wife joined a Bible study of women that meets on Wednesday mornings. And I joined a Bible study of men that meet on Friday mornings. And we got involved. And I'm just a common guy. Most of the guys there don't know me. The guy that leads it one of my, could be one of my heroes. He was, he, uh, was in the Navy and flew, one of the, the, what do they call the Blue Angels? You know those guys that fly in formation and all that? He's, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. Love him. His name is Jim Horsley. His wife is... Uh, Sonia, and uh, they are dear people. We invited them and the Greens and Pastor Ryan, and it was um, Bill and Barb uh, to our home. Remember when we dedicated it unto the Lord, and we asked them if they would come and, and pray for our home, that we could use it to honor God. And uh, they came, and Jim Horsley, not only is he a, a pilot and, and really a good leader of men. He is an artist, and he paints us a beautiful picture of a, a man's hands holding a Bible. Kay got it framed, and we have it in our bookcase right in the, in the front room. So we got to be good friends with these people, and we we became kind of like the common man. And 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 so I figured, what is what do you want me to do, Lord? What 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 is it that I can do? What what can I be like as Nehemiah? Um, Pastor Ryan asked me a few months ago if I would preach once in a while, but he's never, he's just said that once, he's never said it again, and I never approached him on it again. Uh, I'm, I want it to be all up to God, not me. And I would love to do that, but that's not my, my, my passion right now. My passion is the group of men that I meet with on Friday morning. 
when I first walked in, I was kind of a, I was a city boy, a big sissy city boy was what I was. I knew nothing about uh, Oregon, and it was in winter. And, and so uh, a lot of the guys got up early and, and took care of their cattle or took care of their horses, and took care of their land, and then would come to the Bible study. And I, uh, I met one guy who was an attorney who I really like. His name is John. For, for the life of me, his last name has escaped me. I know it, but it, but it doesn't matter. But it, the, what I like about him the most is the first morning I walked in there, he teased me immediately. And I thought, good, good. I, I got a little of acceptance here. And so I sat down, and, and uh, when he left, I said, hey, John, I love you. And I went to hug him, and, you know, and so he went. And over the process of time, now it's been seven months, uh, I've gotten to tell almost everybody. In fact, I told everybody in there I love them. And now I'm hugging those guys. And a couple of weeks ago when, when I was going to go speak up in Seattle and the guys were praying for me because I was going to miss a Friday morning with them, one of the guys said in the midst of the prayer, I'm so glad that John's here. He's changed the atmosphere of our meetings because we tell everybody now we love each other and we hug each other. Now, the first couple of weeks, I, I was wondering what they thought I was, you know. <laughs> and, uh, here I danced in out of nowhere, you know, and I'm hugging and I'm telling them I love them. But I believe that God used me as a common man to bring what is the very essence of, of Christianity into that group. Not that they needed Christianity. These are godly men. But we are told in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, I have a new commandment I've given you. I have a new commandment I've given you guys. And the new commandment is, I want you to love one another. And then he tells us how. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. The next verse says, by this, all men will know you're a disciple of mine if you have love for one another. If there's nothing more that this church can do is to love one another, to think highly of one another. Last time I was here... Janetta is sitting with my wife. Janetta, whom my wife and I love with all of our hearts. She told me about a, an artist by the name of Hezekiah Walker. And I played for you a song last time I was here. It was called, I, I Need You to Survive. I get choked up when I even mention that song because it's one of those songs that reminds me of you. It says, I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I love that song. It's because of Janetta I learned about it. The greatest thing that you guys can do with one another is to love one another. You see, if people were to come and visit us and see the love of God in this place, we would start to take the reproach off of their hearts and minds about the God whom we love. And they'd be able to see the legitimate love of Christ in this room. It might be just that you do that. Or you might do something mighty like Nehemiah. That's between you and God. Don't know what it is. Can't make you do it. Can't figure it out for you. You might know. You might know what that is. I don't. I know what I'm supposed to do up in Oregon. And I'm willing to do it. You see, the problem with churches today, and I'm going to pray in a minute. The problem with churches today is we learn in here. We take it, what we get in here, and we figure, I've done my duty. See you next week. This is not... This is not where it happens. This is where you and I learn. This is where Pastor Mark teaches us the very essence of our, our God. 
And this is where we learn that. But it happens when you and I walk out this door, out of that driveway, and get into the community in which we live. That we can represent the Lord our God to people who place a reproach upon His name. That they might see the wonders of our God through the way we live. So church isn't this so much as it's that when you get out of here and you live it day by day, moment by moment. When you're not ashamed to go to a group of men and tell someone you love them or to hug them. It took a lot of courage for me to do that. I want you to know that. But I did it because I believed God wanted me to. I didn't know what the results would be. I, I didn't care what the results were going to be. Because that wasn't my business. My business was to be a man who represented the Lord our God in the community in which I live. And I am willing to do that. Now, if you're going to listen to this message, I want you to take it off of Nehemiah and put it on your own self. Think about it. Think about what Nehemiah did. What are you rebuilding? Some of you might have to rebuild your own lives. Maybe you're walking on the very edge of sin and you know it. Maybe you need to repent. Move away from it. Get your life settled. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's where you work. Maybe it's where you play. I don't know where it is. You'll know. God will speak to your heart. I don't need to. I already know what God has spoken to me about. So before Nehemiah built the wall, you need to know this. A king, a priest, and a prophet of God all failed in rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. They failed, more importantly, of taking the reproach off of God and allowed it to fester. I ask you this question. Could it be that God allowed us to read about Nehemiah to show us that you and you and I as a common man have no excuse in doing what God has called us to do as a child of His. Do you love Him? Do you, do you, do you, have you accepted Him? If you're here and you're investigating and, and you've not come to know Jesus Christ yet, that's wonderful. Praise God. Keep coming. Learn. Get an idea of who He is so that when you accept Him, you know what you're accepting. But once you accept Him, it's not just, oh, I'm not going to hell now. Great. No. Once you accept Him, you are to live the life of a believer out there in the world in which you live. It's not just here. It's out there. We need to get that idea in our heads because we are losing the race right now. I, I got a nice... I didn't pray yet, did I? Man, I'm rusty. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lord God, please, would you uh, forgive me for, for even going this long without asking you to bless this time. Would you, Father, open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. And Father, would you move me aside? Let me not interfere with what you want to say to the dear people of this church. I love them so much. I know Mark and Terry love them so much as Dave does and the elders. The, the people of this church love this people that, that come here. Father, would you bless us all? May we hear from your heart, not mine. Please, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, I forgot what I was going to say because I really got nervous about I should pray. 
So as the Lord talks to you today about Nehemiah, don't let your mind be swayed away from, from your responsibility. He's called you. I don't know what it is. Oh, I know what I was saying. We live in a world... I got an email from a couple... I love getting these, these emails because it tells, us, tells me what's going on in this world. And, and I wrote them back and I said, I, I want to I apologize to the Lord my God for not leaving this place better for my family. See, my mom and dad and your moms and dads have left us a wonderful place and we're letting it go. To, we're letting it go. We've got people that are killing other people we got people that are doing the most despicable things to us. We better be careful how much we let them do what they're doing to us as a people and move us away from our God. And so I wrote him back and I said, I'm ashamed of how I've left this place for my son and my grandchildren. I don't want to do that. I want to be a representative of my Lord and my Savior with every breath that I take. And so as you listen to this about Nehemiah, remember it's not about him, it's about you and me. It's no, no matter our, our statute, no matter our, our place of authority in the community in which we live, it, you could be a person of great authority or you can be a common person. We all can make a movement. We all can do something for Christ. Nehemiah had a wonderful job. He was in the king's palace in Susa. He had a soft job, a soft palace. He ate the king's food, for crying out loud. Everything was going wonderfully in his life. Until, verses 2 and 3, chapter 1, read it again. Hanani, his brother, and some men from Judah came. And Nehemiah asked them immediately concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity, and he note, he, he asked them also about Jerusalem. How's it going? And they said to him in verse 3, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. The gates have been burnt with fire. Susa was 1,500 miles from Jerusalem. And when Nehemiah heard this, he could have said, Whoa, that's really too bad. I'm gonna, I'll pray for you. But no. God moved his heart. God moved Nehemiah into action. God might be saying to you something seated here in these pews and you can have a choice to either do what God is asking you to do or you can say, you know, I'll, I'll let someone else do it. I don't have the time. I don't have the talent. I don't have the money. I, 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 don't, I can't do it. And you're lying. You're lying to yourself because you have all that is needed. Because it's not you that is going to do it. God is going to do it through you and to me. Nehemiah did something that changed not only his life, not only the lives of the people in Jerusalem, but more importantly, he did something that changed the attitude of those who opposed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Have you ever wondered why? Why God reported that Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in Jerusalem? If you don't know why, let me tell you why. It was not just to fortify the city. Yes, he did that. But it was not just to rebuild Jerusalem to make it a nice place and a safe place to live in. 
Yes, he did that. But he rebuilt Jerusalem. Mark this down. To take the disgrace off of his God. You see, the distress and the reproach was not really upon Jerusalem. It was upon the name of their God. People were mocking their God, just as people do ours today. Look at chapter 2 for just a second. Look at verse 17. Now, he's in Jerusalem, Nehemiah is. He's, he's gotten permission from the king Artaxerxes in Susa to go to Jerusalem, and he is in the process of going to build the wall. And he said in verse 17 of chapter 2, I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in. Jerusalem is desolate. Its gates have been burnt by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. The word reproach means a disgrace to the community in which we live. Don't look at Nehemiah as a book just written to rebuild that city. I contend to you that Nehemiah rebuilt that city to remove the mark off of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his God. The unbelievers out there that, that watch you and me come to church regularly, hopefully you let them know this is what you do and this is who you are. Those people out there do not have the privilege of knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior as yet. We've got to be a, a light to them. We've got to be salt to this earth in which we live. But they look upon us as a church and they look upon us much in the same fashion as the enemies of God looked upon Jerusalem. They see us being broken down, being useless, uh, a disgrace, if you would. It brings with it a reproach. You and I can change that by doing something extraordinary for our Lord. And that extraordinary doesn't necessarily mean to rebuild something. It, it can mean just giving someone a cold glass of water or, or, or telling someone you love them in a, in a time of distress in their lives. Don't know what it is. I want you to look with me at chapter 6 of this same book. I want you to look at me at verses 15 and 16. Now, in chapter 6, the, the walls have been rebuilt. The gates are up. They have completed the project. What the king, the prince, and the prophet could not do, a common man by the name of Nehemiah did it. And so it says in chapter 6 and verse 15, the wall was completed on the 29th of the month of Elu, 52 days Nehemiah completed the task with those who helped him in Jerusalem. And now listen. Don't you dare walk away from here without understanding verse 16. Look, when all our enemies heard of it, heard that the city has been rebuilt, then it says all the nations surrounding Jerusalem saw it and they lost their what? They lost their confidence. Why? Because they recognized that the work that was done in Jerusalem had been accomplished. How? You're looking at it. Look at verse 16. What does it say? How was it accomplished? By the help of the Lord. You see, that's the issue in your life, in your life, in my life. We do what we do 
under the power of God Almighty so that people around us don't see that we've accomplished something, but they see that God, the very God that you love, has accomplished something in and through your life. Colossians chapter 3, verses, uh, I think it's 23 and 24. Let me look. Yep. Colossians, listen to it. Whatever you do, whatever you do, it says, do your work heartily as unto the Lord knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. It says there, it is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. When I told those guys in that study that I loved them and hugged them, it was uncomfortable at first, but I wanted to show those guys the love of God in and through my life. Small thing. It wasn't a big thing. But as the guy said last week, seven months later, six months later, This guy, John, who just came to town, is changing our atmosphere. He's changing our Bible study. I was quick to say I had nothing to do with it, guys. It is God Almighty who is working in your midst and my midst. Whatever you do, you do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it's the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve, and you'll receive the benefit of His reward in His good timing. Remember what I taught when we were here last? I went through the book of Peter, 1 Peter. In the 5th chapter, the 6th verse says, Humble yourself, humble yourself, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will, can you remember? I said it a lot of times when I was here, six months ago. I don't expect you to necessarily remember it all. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you when? At the proper time. You know what that means? His time. I would have loved the guys to like me right away. I would have loved the guys there to take me in and say, oh, wow, you're really special, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't want that. I wanted God to use it. I wanted God to deal in my life through these dear men. And God took six months to where a guy felt comfortable enough to say, John's changed the atmosphere in this study. It meant a lot to me, more than you'll ever know, because it meant that I was doing, I believe, what God had asked me to do when we went there. I want you to note something back in chapter 1, and we'll close with this. I want you to note something that Nehemiah did as soon as he went into action. It says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, we read it a little while ago. When Nehemiah heard what was going on in Jerusalem, it says in verse 4, he sat down, he wept, He mourned for days, and he then fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And he said to the God in heaven, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. Don't you love Nehemiah? Listen to him talk about his God. The one who preserves the covenant and the loving kindness for those of us who love you and keep your commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now. Day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Look at Nehemiah. Look how humble he is. I and my father's house have sinned. Listen, all of us are sinners. Every single one of us. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. Don't get so puffed up of yourself to think you're beyond uh, any of that. But never forget to go to God in prayer, asking Him to forgive you. Asking Him to take your life and use it for His glory, His majesty, all that He wants to do in and through you. Don't ever forget that. 
Nehemiah understood it. Now look at verse 9 and we'll close. If you return to me, God is speaking to the people of Jerusalem, and you keep my commandments, he says, and you do them. Verse 9, you're with me, right? Those of you who have been scattered, who were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there, and I will bring them to the place where I have chosen, now watch, to cause my name to dwell. I tell you, Nehemiah did not build Jerusalem to make it safe. He built Jerusalem to honor his God. He is calling you and me to do the same thing. He's calling us to leave this building and to make an impact for the cause of Christ in the community in which we live. Because if we don't, there is trouble ahead. There's going to be trouble ahead anyways. The Bible tells us that clearly. But I don't want trouble ahead in your families. I don't want trouble ahead in your friendships. I don't want trouble ahead for you and those that you love. I want you to reach them. Reach them with the cause of Christ. And some of you here are going to be like Nehemiah. You're going to do something grandiose. I know it. And most of us are going to be just like me. Just help a group of guys. You love them. Just hug them. And show them the love of Christ in and through your life. Love the Lord. Don't come to church just to come to church. Come to church to learn. So that you can take what you learn out into the community in which you live. Wherever you might be scattered. And let the people know that you love your Lord, your God. And you are willing to stand up for Him regardless. Don't forget what Nehemiah did. It might even be starting within your own life. You might have to rebuild your own life. You might not be able to do it because you feel you're a mess. I get it. I get it. We all do. Anyone who's been Christian for any length of time knows we're, we're a mess. We need help. You might need to start there. But if you've got your, your life in order right now, then you might need to reach out to those around you. Take the disgrace the reproach off of the God whom you love. Nehemiah went from Susa, soft job in a king's palace, to a place that was desolate to rebuild the name of his God. What are you willing to do for God? What? I don't know. Can't help you. Can't tell you. Can't force you to do it. Father, please let us not be flippant with our faith. Too many people doing that. Those churches are a dime a dozen. Let us not be flippant about our love for you. There's too many Christians doing that in name. Those Christians are a dime a dozen. No. You're looking for you're looking for the real deal. You're looking for people who want to make an impact for the cause of Christ. That we see that this life that we live right now is not just something we can say, "Oh boy, I'm not going to hell." Praise the Lord. But rather we can say we've got work to do here on this earth to serve you and to love you. Father, I, I can't tell you how much I love Pastor Mark. 
I, I, I thank you for them. Thank you that this church is in such great hands. Now I pray, Father, you'll bless us. For those that, Father, might have prayer requests or prayer needs, there'll be a group of people up here on the front side of the church that'll be loved to pray for you. For the rest of us, Father, we go our way. Let us not forget what, we, what you've placed in our heart this morning. I, I, know what you've, I know you've done something, Father. I just know it. So I pray that you'll, uh, you'll move upon our lives. Let us not walk out in the parking lot and say, what did he say? That, you know, that bald-headed guy with a big nose. What did he say? I forget. Let's not try to remember what I said. Remember what God is saying to your heart. Listen to him. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let me say before I leave here, I won't be seeing you for quite a while, I guess. I love you. I love you with all my heart. Oh, no, let me finish. I, 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 got, I got more I want to say. I thank God for you. You people have impacted my wife and me in a major way you'll never understand. I don't think how much you mean to us. We love you with all of our hearts and we pray for you often. Thanks. Thanks for being such a wonderful place to worship <clears throat> all the years. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a big crybaby. <laughs> Have yourself a great day. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming and listening. God bless you. Have a wonderful time.